to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Monica. And, uh, yeah. We've seen each other. I feel like when we're going to talk about this week, we've seen each other almost, what, like, right. every day? three times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, still am unemployed, living at my parents' house, so I uh, haven't really done anything. Since the last time we talked. Like at all. Uh, I had ice cream like three different times this week. Uh, I'm getting my hair done on Tuesday. And... Yeah, that's literally it. Oh my god, I had a burp. <laughs> um, for me, uh, well, I, I found I am going to be going to Florida. Which is very exciting. Uh, so it was my grandmother, and I'm uh, going to start working out. I'm going to go tanning, because if I don't get a base coat before I go, I will be the color of Mary-Kate's, uh, hold on, the one over pending pages. I'll be the color of her journal when I come um, home. In the light that we're using to light our faces, this looks a lot more orange than it really is. It is very pink. Yeah. Um... So I'm going there. I'm also trying to work out because your girl, um, is she thick? Um, so there's that. Um, in June, I, I'm getting the extensions taken out because it will be summer and I will be going down to Florida and my hair texture in Florida will not be fun to deal with this. And as you can see, I don't I'm know why she's paying someone to take her hair out because she literally just spent the last two hours on the couch just taking chunks of her hair out. I took one chunk out because it was holding on by like one little strand of hair and I could feel it sliding every time I would do this to my hair. I'm literally watching this movie and she looks at me and goes, hey, do you want to touch my hair? And hands me an extension. Yeah. So, we're taking, so we'll have Monica from the beginning of the podcast... Lion Mane Monica, because she's doing that all summer again. My hair actually really liked me for that until I went and was a dumbass and just bleached all of the underneath. Um, this will be the last time you see my mermaid hair, because unfortunately, when you don't get your hair cut for a year and a half, um, the length that they have to cut off to trim it is a lot, and I'm not emotionally prepared for it. I've gotten so attached to my long hair, but like I know I can put it back in. I just don't want to deal with it in the summertime. I feel like I look crooked, but it's because I'm looking at myself reversed, so I get to see how effed up my actual face looks, and it's disgusting. Like, what is that? What are those? What are those? And then they're talking about my eyebrows. <sighs> my eyebrows are pretty good today. They looked a little thick while I was drying them on, but then when I do the rest of my face, it fits the rest of my face. They're just thicker. I mean, but you do have that face. My face is even thicker, too. I really don't know why I slapped my face. All right. Well, uh, since there's absolutely nothing to update you guys about, because our lives are terrible. Yeah, they're not as entertaining as watching a pigeon. Oh, um, no. Actually, big news in my life. Um, I have an ear infection that is causing um, pulsatile tinnitus, which basically means I feel like the ocean is inside my head. And waves are crashing into my eardrums, so if I sound like garbage, it's because I can't hear myself. If I sound like garbage, it's because my brain thinks ten times the speed that my mouth does. 
Or it's reversed. It's definitely reversed. See what I mean? <laughs> I literally just made myself correct. Thank you. I'm here all week. So today we are talking about the second Shack movie called The Night Strangler. And it took me my second walkthrough to understand this. Like, when I saw the title of it, it took me the second time that we were watching it to realize what the title meant. Um, fun fact, the killer strangles women to death. And she didn't understand I was like, that. I didn't understand it's called Night Strangler. And I was like, oh, wait. Great. Uh, it came out on January 16th, 1973. It was written by Richard Matheson, who wrote the first movie as well, and directed by Dan Curtis, who is the producer of the first movie, but also the director of the entire Dark Shadows series. Nice. Um, the blurb says, sorry, there's a bird outside my window that is acting up right now. Um, a reporter hunts down a 144-year-old alchemist who is killing women for their blood. Explain it for the people out there that are like me. Yeah, because uh, I showed Monica that blurb, and I was like, oh, this is really exciting. And she said, yeah. What's an alchemist? I I know of, of, of alchemy, but I'm like, I know it has to do with, like, something with chemicals and, like, serums kind and of. stuff like that. But I don't know what an alchemist is. I'm assuming it's someone who makes that stuff, but I wasn't. So alchemy, for those of you who also, like Monica, do not know, which... Is not completely judging you. It's it's not like people are still walking around being alchemists. Um, it's basically the study of trying to use metals to make potions. Full metal alchemist. Never seen the anime. That is, yeah, it is an anime. But, like, um, one of the things alchemists were attempting to do was create immortality using different metals to melt them down and create... Elixirs that could uh, sustain immortality. The most famous alchemist is uh, Nicholas Flamel, who was in the Harry Potter books, but was also a very, very real person in France in the 14th century. That's why I knew the name, not because of the actual thing, but because of Harry Potter. Yeah, no, but he's a real person. Um, so... Was he also also an alchemist in Harry Potter? I've seen yes, him he once, created so. the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, I wouldn't know. I fun fact: I've seen every Harry Potter movie only one time, and I don't want to watch it any more than once. I'm okay. I mean, don't take me as a critic. I fucking spend my whole time watching Twilight, like it's the only movie that was ever created. So, like, I don't have fantastic taste. It's just Harry Potter. There's just something about it. It's not terrible. It's just. My little brain having to focus that hard on important people that span over the course of eight movies. I'm lucky I can keep up with, Mar- with Marvel. Um, have you ever watched the Lord of the Rings movies? No. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. I have a little brain. I stick with very simple storylines. Yeah, I don't. I actually have no idea what to even say to that, to be completely honest. Like. I feel like doing Hemlock Grove is a really easy thing because it was so trash that my theories actually held up some basis there. Whereas I feel like Bakulshek is like, it's not corny, it's kitschy. Where it's like, it has like a, like, like it's obviously very predictable. It's from the 70s. Right. So, 
But, so there's not a lot of really theorizing when it comes to stuff, Well, but, but also, it's really hard to theorize things when it's... Contained con- in one. Self-contained stories. Like, it's not like there's an overarching plot. And that's why it works with my little pea-sized brain. I'm like, one story like, ends in one episode. For example, if you are following with us and you've watched the last two movies, um, the two main characters in both movies are obviously Kolchak and then Tony Vincenzo, the head of the newspaper. Um, those are the only two characters that are in all of the TV show. Everybody else is only in some episodes. So it's not like we're going to be deep diving into the yeah. plot. This is not really a plot-driven show. Yeah, this is more of a, this episode is really cool. It's almost like we're doing, like, standalone mini-movies. Yeah, kind of. And um, uh, so my... Uh, my deep cuts on analysis will not be as uh, useful. Yeah, that's where it's like my little pea-sized brain. It's her time to shine. She's like, I paid attention. I know what happened, and I don't have to worry about it next week because it's going to be something new. Um, my notes don't really make a lot of sense this time, but we're going to go. I feel like going through the notes is what we'll probably be doing for a majority of Cole Shack because I think that's the best way to capture the essence of Cole Shack when yeah. it's not... Deep diving into like a meaning or anything. Yeah. So, um, my first note says that taxi driver is a dick. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you think people are pieces of shit now. There was a woman running away, bloody murder, from this guy who was chasing her in a dark alley, and she, the taxi stopped because it almost hit her. And she's like, Please, there's someone following me. Can you take me to this place? He, like, just honked the horn and left her there. And I was like, Wow. Shit. I mean, like, I don't get it, though. Like, if this lady's like, I need a ride, and you're a taxi. And also, she she was also going to the bus stop, and the bus stop was literally just down the street from where the taxi was. No, but that's not where she asked. She asked the taxi to go back to her apartment. Yeah. Because she was like, let me just get out of here ASAP, Rocky. Um, So then, of course, the taxi doesn't pick her up, so she goes to stand at the bus stop. And this immaculate jump scare. I literally was watching this, and I was like, why is she just standing? Like, I get it. She has to go to the bus stop. But she just gets to the bus stop and stands there and takes out a cigarette and lights it and just continues to stand there like she wasn't just being chased down the alley. Yeah, like, if it were me, I would have been like, fuck it, I'm walking to my destination. Or going to try and find someone to take me to it. I would have been super on edge. And she she just, like, immediately calmed down. She was like, okay, might as well smoke my cigarette. And then it was set up to be a jump scare. But he hops into frame in, like, maybe a good second and a half of him already being in the frame. And when he has her, then it goes, and I'm like, you tried with the jump scare? And it was a decent jump scare. Probably for the 70s, that was probably really good. And the shot was really cool. Um, but she just lets her guard completely down. Like, when someone's chasing you, you're not just like, nah. So he that, left. That is our first victim. Um, then the next scene is... Uh, at a bar where Vincenzo, Tony Vincenzo has shown up at the bar and he orders his usual, which is a glass of milk. Yeah, I was... And first of all, I know all the actors in this movie are sweating because of the lights, but there is not one single man in this whole movie whose skin completely matte. There's like, especially when we get to the, uh, the sheriff. Oh, I have, I have notes about that later. So like, this man is sweating and he's like, and the glass of milk. It's like her Starbucks glass, maybe up to where the the line is here, full of milk. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Go to a bar, drink some milk. 
I actually definitely have tried to get milk at bars before. Really? Well, what happens is I will do things where I get, like, really, really drunk and then order Taco Bell, but then because I'm drunk, I can't handle how spicy the Taco Bell is and then really want milk. Your shit's must be real interesting after a night out. Um, but so I was like, how do Tony and Kolchak keep ending up in the same town? Yeah, and then we find out that Tony, he like, it, I, don't, I don't know if they ever specified they it. They did it. But I think he like left Vegas because all like Kolchak asks him is like, what are you doing here in Seattle? He's like, what was I doing in Vegas? So like, he's a reporter here. I don't know if he transferred. I don't know if he got fired, if he quit. Right. Or what the deal was. Because I also don't know how long of a difference it was between what happened in Vegas versus now. Two weeks. Two weeks. Well, no. No. Kolchak has been in Seattle for two weeks, but this was same time frame as the movie. Because later in the movie he says, um, last year in Vegas. Oh, okay. So it is still a year later. Okay. Um, uh, I also laughed really hard when they said, this is Seattle, we have standards here. If you bet, shit, I've never been to Seattle and I still know that that is not the truth. Sorry I mean, if you live in Seattle. This is the standard of coffee in Seattle. We literally got Starbucks today to watch the movie in honor of Shack taking place in Seattle. So it was just an excuse to buy Starbucks. Um, my next note is actually a quote that Shack said that I thought was like the most beautiful, beautiful way to describe what happens when somebody dies. Like, because in all of the all of the shows. They kill people who aren't going to be missed. They kill, mm-hmm. like, prostitutes and sex workers and, and homeless people and people mm-hmm. who aren't going to be missed. And Kolchak described it by saying she had left the mainstream of life without leaving a ripple. And I was like, damn. That's what's going to happen when I die. That's what my obituary is going to say if I even get one. <laughs> um, uh, so the lady who... Um, had died, who left the mainstream of life, uh, was a belly dancer. So not really a sex worker, okay. but... She was just like, um, it was called like, what was it? It's like someone's tent. It was what this place was called. Oh, Pharaoh's Tent was Pharaoh's the tent. name of the, the club. I mean, it's funny because I don't think of like belly dancing as being like super scandalous, but yeah. I, I guess it was. And, well, I feel like showing... But, like, people wore crop tops in the 70s. Like, that's the one thing. Like, I don't think a belly dancers in the 70s were showing anything more conspicuous than anyone in wearing normal clothes in the 70s was doing. I don't know. So, like, I don't know what would... I mean, but they're dancing at a club for men at night. So, like, I guess that And is... they're moving their body conspicuously. They're, moving, they're moving their body in a way that I am very jealous of. Because, speaking of which, Kolchak said, you know, this girl's hips can move faster than her mouth. And I was like... Damn! Well, she did talk a lot. Yeah. Um, but so one of the two, of the, so there's three belly dancers at the club. One of them ends up being, like, the main girl in the episode. But the other one has the worst voice. She talks like this. Um, I don't understand how it is possible for someone to be or to sound that stupid. Well, to be frank, she was a blonde, and she didn't know jack shit about jack shit. No, but she actually did. 
True, but her, like, bodyguard lady would make her feel like, I'm going to get his whatever, like, let's go get your yeah, next show. Well, like, she was just was a pretty like, face. It was, like, it was exactly the stereotype of, of a, a dumb, dumb blonde. blonde. But it was, like, so bad. Like, I was, like, so bad. And it's because you know that's not her real voice. And she's can't literally be. talking like It can't this. be. If that's her real voice, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because but the thing is, it just sounds like she was trying too hard to sound like that. That it would be her real voice. But that's the thing. If that is how she just sounds, God rest your soul, sweetheart. Uh, so then, then so we meet her and her terrible voice, and then we meet. Uh, that was like Louisa. I think was her name. The woman who was with. No, no, no. That was Wilma, the bodyguard. Oh. No, Louisa, the other. The other belly dancer. The other belly dancer. I think her name was Louisa. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. She's also signed a Canadian. She said sorry a lot. Yeah, but they're in the Pacific Northwest. True. So, uh, but she uh, was riding a boat as her car, and I was really, really jealous. I wish I had a boat instead of a car, but I had one problem with that scene. How was she steering that boat? First of all, the boat looked like the bottom half of the boat looked like it was actually underwater. Um, the whole thing. It was a very, like, small motorboat. And she pulled the engine to turn it on. And it was one of those boats where, like, the rudder is the steer mm-hmm. next to the engine. But then she moved too far away from the engine to actually be steering anything. But the boat was turning. And I was like... That's just movie I don't, magic. I don't understand. It wasn't that hard to make her still sit next to yeah, the... Engine. Yeah. I, I don't know. To each their own, I guess. Um, okay. No. So then we get into the actual case. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kolchak is at the police briefing, as, ever, and as he is for reporting. And the police are talking about, um, oh, because a second person has died now. So they're talking about the, what happened in the case. And this is something that really bothered me. Kolchak was grilling the police officers as to why they didn't talk about the missing blood in the first case. Mm-hmm. But seven cc's of blood is not that much blood. Yeah. And if there was no, like, if they didn't find the puncture wound, which also they're terrible if they didn't find the puncture wound. Yeah. But, like, that they didn't find the puncture wound or they didn't, or they already knew the cause of death was strangulation, why would seven cc's of blood be missing, like, missing be something that they would put on the report? Like, it. of course they didn't say that. When both victims ended up with the same thing happening... Then you realize that that's a little sketch. Yeah. But of course, in the first victim report, you don't that their blood count is slightly lower like than it like should be. They accidentally cut their hand earlier that day and lost some blood. Right. Like, like I mean, hopefully it repumps faster than that. But <laughs> you're anemic. But like, uh, no. But like, I mean, she could have when she fell, when she got strangled, she could have fallen and mm-hmm. like. So I don't know. I just maybe I'm stupid. No, but the, what you say makes sense because like, I don't think that it would be enough like I don't to talk think, about I don't yet. think that that would be something like, I don't think every police report is like, somebody was murdered, their shirt was yellow, their, like, they don't tell you every, every single, single thing. They don't tell you every cut and scratch on their body. They tell you the things that are relevant mm-hmm. to the murder. Mm-hmm. And if this is not relevant mm-hmm. when it becomes a pattern it becomes mm-hmm. relevant yeah. but like i was like so i was like mad that kolchak was acting like the police officer was incompetent for only telling about the blood being missing 
mm-hmm. and the second victim. And I was like, but that's that's what would have happened. happened. Yeah. And then they would have, because I feel like at the debriefing, because they could have, um, when they did say that, they said, like, and it was on, like, on her, too. But, like, that was brought out because Kolshak did ask that question. And, that, like, it wasn't like, when they came out, we're giving all this information, they could have went, and it was also found on this person, right. too. Well, and I that's think... Just, like, and that's where I think that question came into play. Yeah, I get that. I definitely get that. Um, Kolchak's just nitpicky. Yeah. Kolchak also tends to, I've noticed, think there's a pattern before anybody else does. Yeah. One which, person dies, it's a pattern. Which, obviously, he isn't wrong in mm-hmm. these cases, but, like, if two people die in the same town, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean yeah. they're connected. Mm-hmm. That's why your serial killer doesn't usually start being called a serial killer until there's three victims. Yeah. I don't know. But. Um, oh, so then we talked about the fact that their necks, they weren't just strangled, their necks were entirely really crushed. crushed. Like, everything was like. <clears throat> so it's like basically like their skin was all that was holding their head to their body. Oh. If you really think about that. Their, their skin flap and like oh. muscle tissue that was there. Is their head's essentially a slinky, or like a, a mallet ball, and your body's a paddle. Your muscles don't stretch that much. Well, yes, but still, could you imagine it's like, it's just like rubber? Ew. I would hate that. Um, what I hated was the fact that the skin, the DNA on the, on the neck was rotted flesh. Okay, my thing with the rotted flesh thing. Yeah. Obviously... When we talk about the alchemist and stuff like that, that does hold case to what yeah. is going on. Um, but my question is, they found rotted flesh. Were they assuming it was because of the girl? No. Uh, because, okay. because the tissue was necrotic yeah. already and her neck wouldn't have been. Yes. So my thing was, that rotted skin, isn't there some form of DNA? Well, it's also no, the 70s. It's the 70s. D- they didn't do, do DNA. DNA testing. I'm thinking, like, it's not like they could have tested that shit. No. But, because I'm like, if you were a police officer trying to think rationally and you found rotted skin, either you would think you'd have some weird sicko who likes to leave, like, a weird mark around it, or he, like, uses dead people's, like, he, like, some fucking Buffalo Bill shit, like, using, de- like, people's hands as gloves. No. Again. This was something that I didn't understand the first time, so mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about it, was the rotted flesh and the fact that, like, the first victims, mm-hmm. they could find the rotted flesh, but then by the last victim, they couldn't. I did not understand how Maybe. that worked. Because until when they, because later on, there's going to be cases that Kolchak goes back to that this has been happening yeah. every, for 18 day, for an 18-day period through 21, every 21 years, since, like, 1890 or something like that. And so as we're looking back on this, the DNA around the neck conclusively changes within that 18-day period. Um, and his appearance also changes because after each victim he takes... He takes some of the, the blood serum. And he takes the serum. So he's... It, it's like um, getting... It's like regeneration. And he has to take one at each certain time. So he has to make sure he gets a certain amount of victims in a certain amount of days or else he'll die. And... Um, that, and that's why I, I didn't realize it until the second time either. We were watching it and they were explaining it. I was like, oh, it's because his appearance changes yeah. so his skin isn't falling off his body. Oh, there's that. Yeah, um, so half of this takes place in an underground city, which is apparently real. 
Yeah, if any of you guys have ever been to Seattle and have gone to the underground city in Seattle, because your dad said it's, you can still go there. Yeah, you? you can still do tours. So let us know, because uh, my dad was like, yeah, no, that's a real place. And I was like, oh, okay. I would totally go to the underground city in Seattle. If it's anything I've never creepy. been farther west than Louisiana. I've farthest I've gone is Arizona. So, like, I don't know anything about the West Coast. Um, oh, my next note is that the killer is stupid. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure for what reason right now. Because why is he staying in the same place? Like, if he has to kill six women every 21 years, just go to a different city. Yeah. But I think, I think he feels cocky because it gives proof that back in New York, he, when he first created it, he killed six women there before right. he came. So he came to Seattle, and I think, I think, I know, I figured out why he didn't leave. Because his family died. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you realize, at the end, he kept his family's corpses. Yeah, I was talking to them. He's like, should we, should we, like, tell him the story, darling? And I was like, homie, she's a skeleton. Um, That's a mummy. So he's clearly mentally unstable. And that looks to probably get into his brain. Yeah. Um, also, when we watched it the first time, they showed the police sketch or the reporter's sketch of the face. Who did you say it looked like? I said it looked like, originally, until you said the second one, yeah. it looked like the hatbox ghost in the Haunted Mansion oh, and I said it most definitely did not look like the hatbox ghost. Because it looked too alive. Yeah. Um, but I think it looked like Billy from Hocus Pocus. And but the thing is that you aren't wrong on that either. I know. Like it's <laughs> literally I saw she was like, Hatbox Ghost, and I was like, No, that's Billy. And honestly, like I for because I had just watched a video like on TikTok about the Hatbox Ghost, and I don't know if it was like the slight bone in his face that was showing through that just made me go Hatbox Ghost. The, with the Hatbox hat. Ghost's face is rounder. Yeah, where his is more um, gaunt. Yeah, like a triangle. Um, so like that Sorry, was you know the weird cinnamon stuff they put on the, the top bo- of yeah. the whipped cream. It's down at the bottom now. Yeah, that's mm. weird. Um, this coffee is like four hours old now. Yeah, that's just how that's just how we do it. Um, but, yeah, it, it just really looked like Billy, and I think when Disney saw this movie, they were like, you know what, that, you see that face? His name's gonna be Billy, and he's gonna be in this movie called Hocus Pocus, except he's not gonna have bone showing, because that would be too scary, so we're gonna sew his fucking mouth shut instead, and knock his head off multiple times in the movie, oh but make it comedic. Guys, this is just a shout-out, because I feel like I could shout him out every week. Doug Jones. What a man. Is he the actor? He's the actor. He's the actor who does Billy and Hocus Pocus, but he's also like, you know, the fish man in the shape of water and multiple villains or multiple of the people in um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. He's the hand oh, eye guy. guy. And also Pan. Yeah. Um, I love Doug Jones. I love, love Doug Jones. He is the most prolific actor in Hollywood whose face you will never see. That's really he cool. He does, though. he's like, he, all he does is prosthetic, like, like, like that is so cool. Like, you're sitting there on bank, he, doing oh. amazing things, and yet yeah, you, you still get the anonymity. Yeah. yeah. Like, I've met him at a con. He's great. Oh, did he have, like, like, a, like a morph suit on so that you can see his face? No. 
Mm, you actually get to see him? Yeah. Oh. He's he's a normal human being. It's, I was like, nah, I'm here, but I ain't here, bitch. I mean, it was for a character that you don't see his face, because it was for his character in Star Trek Discovery. Oh, uh, okay. It was a Discovery panel before the show came out. Oh. And Anthony Rapp is in Star Trek Discovery. He's a Broadway actor. Well, there you go. Also, Jason Isaacs is in Star Trek Discovery. Well, he was in the first season, so he was at this panel. Oh, really? No, Jason Isaacs, a.k.a. Lucius Malfoy, a.k.a. Yeah. Captain Hook in the 2003 Peter Pan movie. Oh, my God, he was. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. I know who I realized was in The Flash until this past season. Draco. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I told Cody, I'm like, he's going to be a bad person. I know it. He cannot, Tom Felton cannot play a good person without, like he can, but most of the time there's some underlying shit going on. And of course, he's going to become a supervillain now. I think. That's just where it was going, but then we got to the crossover episode and we haven't caught up on DC Legend of Tomorrow, so we can't fucking start it. Ugh, Thanks, Thanks, Cody. Legends of Tomorrow. Arthur Darville. Arthur Darville. What character is he? I don't remember his name. That sounds familiar. He's Rory from Doctor Who. I know who you're talking about, but I can't think. He's very tall and very skinny, and honestly, I didn't think he was that tall and skinny in real life until I met him, and then I was like... After the podcast, you'll have to show me a picture of him. Yeah. So I can... Because I'm terrible at actors' names. I'm good at character names. I I didn't actually watch Legends of Tomorrow, so I don't remember his name. And we're about to start it, so... Oh, woohoo. Um, my next note says, why are cops always sweaty in these shows? Yeah. It was, like, extra predominant. Well, no, the last sheriff was also, like... Yeah, it was, like, everybody's a little bit sweaty because it's the 70s and they don't really, like, have the right, like, air filters for lights and stuff. But, like, the cops are, like, extra sweaty. And I don't know if it's because of what they're wearing. I don't know. Like, because the police officer, like, the actual officers didn't look that sweaty. It was, like, the chiefs. And both shows yeah. looked like they, with the amount of sweat they were probably collecting on their shirt, you could have squeezed and rang into a pool. It went boom. Um, I did not take a note about this, but um, then Colchette goes underground mm-hmm. and uh, meets Grandpa Munster from the Munsters. Yes, the Munsters. Who is um, a drunk and a scammer and it is hysterical. Oh, yeah, he's really funny. It's, like, one of those, like, it was set up to be, like, a jump scare because he lived under in the underground uh, city, and so, like, you were expecting the person to grab Kolchak be the alchemist, and it was just this fucking drunk who was like, you made me put on my shoes, and it was just you. Yeah. And he was like, what the hell? Um, then there's another uh, attempted murder, and Kolchak is trying to stop it, and the police officers are shooting at the alchemist, um, and we decided that stormtroopers have better aim than those police officers. For sure. I feel like that's, for a fact, in both of the episodes we watch, I just feel like that's just how it's going to be. Because it's, I feel like the show's going to go into the same pattern. I'm going to call it now. You're going to have, by the second murder, close, especially now that we're going to be, con- it's going to be condensed, the second murder, maybe the third, he's going to be able to tell that it's a supernatural thing. By at least the, in between the third and fourth murder, he will know what this so-called thing is, and then try and, um, obviously he'll get shot down by the police, um, but there is going to be, after, when he's going for the fifth murder, they're going to do a shootout, and because they can't kill him yet, because Kolchak needs his antagonist moment, protagonist moment, going back and forth, 
Um, they will shoot like stormtroopers every damn time. I um, don't think you're entirely wrong, but I do think you're wrong. In that, I just don't think that the cops are going to be as heavy influences in the show. I'm not sure. Obviously, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I think that it's going to get much more like Scooby Doo, where the cops aren't really involved in like Kolchak's that. Or Hardy just, boys, like Kolchak's just figuring shit out by himself because nobody will listen to him anyway. Yeah. So. And at the end, we did realize that, that they were setting it up for a third movie because these are the ones. Oh, yeah. No, we'll talk about that when we get to trivia. Yeah. There was supposed to be a third movie, and then they were just like, we're making so much bank. Let's just make it a show. full-ass show. I mean, not a bad move. Yeah. Because I don't think the show, the show didn't do bad afterwards, did it either? No. I mean, the show did so well, they tried to remake it in 2005, and that show did terrible. Yikes. Let us know if you want to watch that and get angry for us. Um, However many episodes that is. It's only ten. Okay. Um, then Kolchak also meets the Wicked Witch of the West. Like, legit. Yeah. Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West, um, is in this. She's a professor at a college. What was her name? Professor Crabwell. That just makes so much sense. Yeah. And she says something about being an 80-year-old sex pot, and I died. <laughs> and the thing that I found funny about it, because when we were watching this the first time, and there's a lot of distractions going on. My brother was here saying goodbye. There were kids. Um, so it was very hard to actually pay attention to it. Um, but when we were watching the first time with your dad here, he was like, do you guys know who that is? And I didn't want to be wrong. But when you see the Wicked Witch of the West snows, you know Margaret that it's Margaret. Margaret has a very distinct nose. You can see that thing from ten and, scenes away. And it's funny because my dad and I have, like, a secret language. When we talk to each other, half the time nobody else knows what's going on. But my dad was like, do you know how that is? And I literally go, oh, my God, is that her? And he was like, yeah. I was like, but she's not green. <laughs> so. And, and then I was Monica like, was like, oh, I was right. Because I didn't want to say it out loud and look like a dumbass. So then, uh, Kolchak and his lady friend, uh, who I still think is named Louisa. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could look it up, but why would I? We're already recording. So. Um, she, they decide that they're going to do a sting operation by themselves, and uh, then they get caught. And I wrote, I love how the cops put on lights and sirens to literally pull their car forward four feet. Yes, they did that. And mind you, when Louisa was being the bait, the alchemist did go after her. But instead of, because he was still in the shadows and she screamed, they heard her scream, they turned the lights on, so it was Louisa, and they tossed her ass in the back of the cat, in the back of the cop car. But the thing that I think is funny is because their lights spinning around, you know, for damn sure, they would have seen the figure of that man there, and but they were too worried about getting Louisa and fucking Kolshak. They were like, yeah. yeah, you know what, you creepy man with the creepy hands they show after driving off? Which, that was a creepy scene. Um... I was like, yeah, you can fucking stay. We're going to go and get these people who literally are not, they're, they're in the way, but they're not killing people. But you, yeah, go for it. Get another victim. Make your elixir. Now, my next note. Granted, this was less than an hour ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's talking about. What did it say? Because my note just says, but like, why? And I don't know what I was questioning at all. Well, there was one point where we thought that a girl that got killed... Um, yeah, no, that was way earlier. Yeah. Um, this as this was, like, after when Kolchak was being arrested, and then they had the whole scene with Barry telling the, like, 
newspaper editor and the police chief what was going on, and then, like, Vincenzo got him off. It had something to do with that whole scene. Oh, was it the Daisy, where they're sending him off to do that Daisy thing and that, that report on the Daisy place? Daffodils? Yeah, you know, I might, that was some form of flower. Uh, maybe, maybe. But it was that whole scene. I don't, yeah. I, it might have been. What, was it when they told the one guy to shut up? No, I think it might have had to do with the actual... Scene? No, the actual, like, events and, like, oh, the, like, yeah, like, the 18 days and the number mm-hmm. and, like, the steps and all the, like, oh, and the fact that, like, the none of these people believed that it was a serial killer when it was, like... The, well, at least the first two victims would hold the statue of because his body started to change afterwards. No, but, no, but, like, the fact that they were, like, here is eight different times that this mm-hmm. happened in the exact same number of days in the exact same time blah 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 blah. it's a pattern even if it wasn't actually a ser- the same person so, every time it could have been a copycat and i was like well, why why are we doing this like, why? even like if you don't believe it that it's actually this person he has oh, faces no i know what it was about Yes. It was about when Cole Shack went into the hospital and was fucking around with the painting of Dr. Richard Malcolm. Oh, that's like, right. What are you doing? That's right. Yeah, he went up there because they figured out that, obviously, at this point we know he's an alchemist. He's immortal in a sense. He has to make this elixir thing. Yeah. And he um, was trying to figure out who he is, but then they saw the picture of uh, of Robert Malcolm, but at that point was a different name. Oh, no, it was his first name was Robert Malcolm. It was Malcolm. No, no, Malcolm Roberts in the Civil War, and now Doctor Robert, Robert Malcolm. Malcolm. So, um, to any alchemists or immortal beings out there who are trying to disguise themselves, because I don't know what your life is, um, don't reverse your first and last yeah, name. Yeah, be asses. more creative with your new pseudonym. My that means that my last name, if I were to do that, it'd be Lodic Monica's. I would just not. I would never. With a, a, a name like Lodic, it has to fucking suck. Um. Oh, so then they finally do get into the underground city to find this alchemist guy. Yeah. And at this point, he's like basically almost back to his full potential when he first took the elixir. Yeah, he has one more sip of the elixir to take. But now, the underground city is a tourist location. But as we have seen through this episode, not every part of the underground city is in the tourist circuit. And that's, I think, where the cops only... Which, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is how on earth are carriages and wardrobes that well-preserved in an abandoned part of the underground city? That makes sense. See, I would have had that question if I didn't think... How fucking crazy. After we saw that he still has his parents down Oh, no, there. this was before that. This was yeah. before. I was, like, Kolchak's, like, wandering around, and when he bumps into the wardrobe that um, uh, Grandpa Munster is inside mm-hmm. of, I was like, there's no way that that wood is in that good condition. Sure. No. Yeah. And, the, and I was saying the same thing until, like, he was actively, like, he had, he, like, when he obviously, like, heals himself, he must just stay there. Well, but here's the other thing. Which is why I don't understand what's the point of immortality if you're just going to live underground for your whole life. And this is where my next note comes in. We light the candles, wind the Victrola, and make food, but we're just going to leave it all cobwebby as fuck? Yeah. We got, he's got his dead family sitting at a table, makes full meal, playing a Victrola and they're fully music, dressed in like fancy clothes. lights every candle in the place, doesn't clean shit. 
Yeah, he's like, let me eat some. I don't mind if I get some rat hair in my fucking pea soup, bro. I live on the edge. So I can't die. He is um, immortal, but he's also clearly still a single man. You're not wrong. But here's that that goes back to my original question. If he is trying so to fight so hard for immortality, but for what legacy, for what reason anymore? Your whole family is dead. You're the only living being that at least I've gathered from, and it looks like you permanently reside and you stay well, down here for twenty one years. If he can um perfect the formula and make it so that he doesn't have to murder every twenty one years. Y'all know you know he's gonna bank on trying to sell that. Mm-hmm. But then he'll also have to admit that he killed people oh. to do it. And then it's like, what? That's when you try. Like, you sit there and you go, well, Could you imagine a life sentence as an immortal being? Essentially, right now, it's a, that's what he's doing. He lives in an underground basement, a very large one. But he does have the most gorgeous elevator. That is We were talking about the iron mark. It was gorgeous. And it's very if weird. that is really part of the Seattle underground city... I would live there. And, because after we fight, like, after Kolchak finds him, he's like, well, as he's talking to his dead wife, he's like, well, should we give him a good story, dear? Because he finds out that he's a reporter. He's like, yeah, we'll give him one good one before I kill him. So, he takes him up in the elevator, is explaining basically everything we talked about, why he has the elixir. In a weird way, it sounds like he doesn't want to kill, but he wants to preserve his I own mean, life. Yeah, but the thing, he doesn't really want to kill people. He wants to stay immortal. And he doesn't really want to kill Kolshak because he's kind of actually glad that somebody figured him out. Mm-hmm. He's, like, impressed, but also doesn't want to get arrested. So yeah. he's going to have to kill him. clean up the loose ends. And as he's, like, going through all this, like, Kolchak asked him, and he's like, but, he's like, but why? He's like, well, what's a few lives spared for immortality? And Kolshak gets the bright idea. He picks up, like, I don't fuck this hunk of metal and just tosses it at the the last elixir he needed to take. Right. The the guy, the police officers can't even shoot close to the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And Kolshak managed to throw one rock or something at the exact correct spot to make it like just explode. Burner. Yeah. And on top of that, then, so he gets pissed and he starts to strangle Kolshak. But then... He becomes an old man, and his strength just disappears. Yeah. And you see him be 144 years old at this point. And I and now this is all you. This is all you. <laughs> I didn't even write notes about this part. I was like, this is all her. So, what when it came to the first night soccer movie, we had very minimal to no makeup. It was just like face powder, some eye stuff. But, but that we already up, figured out that the eye stuff wasn't even makeup. It was contact that gave him an infection in his eyes. eyes. Which imagine that. Um, or this, it was, like, actual sculpted prosthetic. And, like, for the 70s, that was, was great. Sick. Yeah. She, like, no, I know. Not in a, no, I don't mean sick, like, bad. bad. Like, it was, it was. It was gross, but, like, in the best way possible. Right. I think I mean, like, sick, sick has two so meanings like, oh, yeah, in that like, sentence. It's, like, it's dope, but, like, it's also fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really, really well done, even down to the paint job. Um, I definitely think that the choice of lighting that they used in the scene, if there were any imperfections, it helped hide any. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, doing movies like this, a lot of prosthetic work isn't, especially on a low-budget film, TV movie film, yeah. you're not going to have some, like, high, fucking, crazy, like, Star right, Trek Right, because this is, I mean, this is stuff. still an ABC family, family, like, an ABC TV television Monday night movie. Like, yeah. it's not... And so, like, obviously... Even with using the light to kind of trick the eye, 
You're, it's still fucking it's a gross. Low si- like, I mean, they did a And they lot, showed a close up of Yeah, they did too. a lot of light work and everything, but it wasn't like a, a far away, like, hidden shot. It was his face. face. Like, there was one of him screaming when he realized he was getting old. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, it was actually disgusting. And after I left here on Thursday, sorry, Thursday night. Wednesday. Wednesday. Was I over one? I was Wednesday night. Um, I had, uh, actually, because we watched it late at night, I was kind of tripped out going to my car afterwards. And I was like, I, I am a grown woman who watches, like, horror movies at midnight in the comfort of her own bedroom and will go to peace, go to, go to sleep peacefully afterwards. Whereas... I watch a 1970s made-for-television movie, and I'm just like, so like, it also doesn't help that you have like an outcove underneath your deck that's just open that oh, yeah. literally anyone can just come jump up and come. Oh from. yeah, no, I, uh, I don't even know how to explain the outside of my house. It's interesting. The inside of my house is also interesting. <laughs> Um, you definitely have had you have demon children in your basement. I don't want to fucking hear it. Those little kids drawing on the walls when you talk. Oh, thank you. Okay, the family that lived in this house before my family did had small children um, who drew on basically every surface of the house with sidewalk chalk. And, like, we've replaced the front door that they destroyed and, like, most of the rooms that they had written on, like, the wallpaper was already peeling off, so Mm -hmm. we, like, changed the wallpaper. But the basement walls are the only place that we didn't get rid of the kids' chalk. So it does look like we have demon children in like, our Because it's like, you have like a... Your we have a was, creepy basement. We have a night... We have a World War II bomb shelter in our basement. Yeah, and it was a civil... This house was here... No, no. This, this house was built in 1904. Um, but we have, so we have, a, we have a World War bomb shelter in our basement. Yeah. And uh, so, like, it's bricks... It's creepy, and there was fucking little weird ass. The one with the fucking crooked ass girl that's on the wall. I don't know. I've never looked at the drawings. Yeah, your brother and my brother were like, "Well, come down here," and I saw that shit. I said, "I'm gonna get possessed, so I'm leaving. Y'all have fun. Bye, deuces." I've seen this movie. I know how it fucking ends, and I'm not gonna be the one who suffers from this shit. Bye. (laughs) And then we, I think the next fucking red flag was when that squirrel ran into your house, and my dad left us to fucking take care of it. Completely unrelated, but like that was fun. We trapped in a corn dog box, and that was the end of the story. I, I think you came home to it. No, I didn't. I was in Syracuse. You guys called me on the phone. <gasps> That's right. I forgot who did. Was it who came home to it? Because George and Tyler know. were already here with me. Yeah, I don't know. Bree and I came home later that night, but like we went to a basketball game at SU. We were in Syracuse. Unless it was your mom that came. Must home. have been. I don't know. Because so I remember going. All I fucking did was all I know is I fucking came home to you fucking three trying to get a kitchen uh, a squirrel out of the kitchen. Um, I don't even know. Fuck little demon kids. I don't like them. So, uh, and then obviously the movie ends with Kolchak once again getting fired because why not? Yeah. We needed to start the next movie and as it turns out to be the next show. Yeah. And, uh, him and, uh, Vincenzo are off to start again because Vincenzo also gets fired. Um, yeah, that's funny. At least we know what happens in this time. He yeah, no, this, this, show yeah, this time they at least uh, connected that dot. So uh, it's the two of them together off to oh, save wonderful. There's a nice review of this movie that says, I love this movie. It's better, sexier, and even more scary than the original. Better and sexier. Probably because of the belly dancing. Guaranteed. 
And Cole Shack's one line about her hips move quicker than her mouth. So, Nothing. I'm there are 18 pieces of trivia this week. Okay. Beyond the 90-minute version, there was an additional footage filmed featuring George Tobias as Jimmy Stack's Stackhouse, a reporter who had reported on the previous series of Strangler murders in the 1930s. In that footage, Kolchak tracks down the veteran reporter and speaks with him about the murders. Oh, that okay. would have been interesting. Yeah, I thought it was going to go into something like that. Yeah. But it didn't. Um... Darren McGavin, who plays Kolchak, and Richard Anderson, who played Richard Mel- or Robert Malcolm or whatever the mm-hmm. doctor's name was, are two of the more familiar faces from 1970s TV. Um, both played Steve Austin's handler in The Six Million Dollar Man. Um, McGavin co-starred in the original pilot movie as Oliver Spencer, but then Richard Anderson went on to star as Oscar uh, Goldman in the TV series. <laughs> That's what my dad and I were talking about. Oh, uh, okay. Because... Yeah. The Six Million Dollar Man was a 1970s TV show. Oh, in this movie, Kolchak wears a blue suit and not his usual seersucker suit. The suit from the first movie, he wears in the TV show. Okay. It was once again shot in only 12 days. Which is not only impressive because it's 12 days. Um, They had on-location shots in Seattle and studio shots in L.A., and they managed to do that in 12 days. Damn. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, it aired as an ast- installment of ABC's The Wide World of Mystery 1973 series on February 8th, 1974. That was a year and two days after my mother was born. Uh, 8th, you said? Yeah. A year and five days I'm after my mother was born. Not your mom's birthday. <laughs> no, my mom's February 3rd. Second. February 2nd. Yeah, your mom's birthday is on Groundhog Day. I don't know why. My brain's just not working today. Wow. I have a foggy brain. Maybe I'm dying. Hi. Oh, this is, I had a question about this. I'm glad it's on here. Owing to the relatively small space it occupies, the Seattle Underground Network scene in the film was shot not on the genuine downtown Pioneer Square location, but on a universal soundstage, plus LA's Bradbury building. Okay. Okay. So the outdoor stuff in Seattle was on location, the mm-hmm. Space Needle and all that stuff, and a lot of the street stuff, mm-hmm. but the, um, underground. the underground was not the actual underground. Which makes sense, because trying to get a film location down there is probably... Not safe. Yeah. A planned third installment in the franchise, The Night Killers, was scripted, but ABC opted to develop the TV series instead of continuing the films. The plot had Tony Vincenzo hiring Kolchak to work for him in Honolulu. Whilst there, Kolchak discovers a cover-up involving UFOs, a nuclear power plant, and important people being murdered and replaced by androids. We talked about that last week, mm-hmm. but also there was another third installment planned that would have actually taken them because at the end of the movie they say they're going to To New York and there was a planned movie where when they got to New York they found out that the vampire from from the the first first movie wasn't dead dead. Mm -hmm. so they were just trying to do everything with Kolchak yeah I feel like the UFO one would have been really interesting though yeah I still feel like that would be really interesting I hope they do something like that in the TV show it just takes place in well there's definitely alien stuff in the TV show good I don't know if that plot is, but... That would be such a cool plot, though. I'm kind of mad that uh, we didn't get to see it. Northwest... Northwest... Northwest <laughs> author Bill Spidell, who wrote You Can't Eat Mom Rainier, appears as himself on stage in the Blue Banjo nightclub in Seattle. The Blue Banjo was the headquarters and starting point for the famous Underground Seattle tour. 
So the author who's talking oh, about the, the tour, not the guy oh. singing, the one who came out to talk about what well, they introduced him oh. and was like author Bill Spidell, like it was actually him. Oh, that's really cool. Final feature-length production with actor Wally Cox, who died suddenly about a month after this movie was released. Cox did... Oh, so Wally Cox, who plays... Let's find out who Wally Cox played. Because I... Oh, Barry, the newspaper reporter. Or the guy, the resource guy, who helped him with the books. This was his final full-length production. Because he passed away. He's so cute, yeah. He was like sticking up for Chloe. He was like, yeah, so what now? And they were like, shut up. He was like, oh, yes. Um, although set in Seattle, Washington, most of the film was shot on location in Los Angeles, obviously. Um, famous LA landmarks include Tom Bergen's public house and the Bradbury building. Actors Simon Oakland, who is Tony Vincenzo, mm-hmm. um, Wally Cox, who was Barry, and John Carradine, who is. Grandpa Monster, which mm-hmm. that's not his name in this show. Um, and writer Richard Matheson either appeared in or had something to do with the Twilight Zone. That's pretty cool. Cole Shack has been a reporter for 22 years, they say yeah. in the show. And then the police captain was allegedly 37 because he said over 30, and then Cole Shack said 37 years and they were arguing. Oh, no, no, no. He said, I've been a police for over 30 years, and he. Cole Shack said, and you've been stupid for double that. No, yes, but then when he oh. got bailed, when um, Tony was bailing him out, yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm a police officer for 37 years, and you're such a stupid dumbass, because he was basically saying, like, you're stupid, and you've been a police officer, officer for 37 years, because he said 37 in that scene. Oh, okay, I didn't. Because that's what I was like, but he, that's what I was like, but he never said he was a police officer for 37 years. I really just thought he said for, um, like, for twice that. Yeah. Wally Cox, Al Lewis, and John Carradine all appeared in various episodes of Lost in Space. Never seen it, but if you have, good on you. My dad's friend has the original replica of the Lost in Space robot. I don't know what that means, but that's really cool. She's a terrible person. Also, the Lost in Space Netflix remake, the robot looked terrible. The original Lost in Space was from 1965 to 1968. Obviously, it was the 60s, so the robot wasn't, like, super high-tech, but so cute compared to the robot in the new one. I wouldn't have any fucking idea. When Vincenzo takes Kolchak off the Nice Strangler case, he assigns him to cover the Daffodil Festival in Huyalup. I think that's how you... In real life, Jeremy Gavin spent his childhood and teenage years in the Puget Sound area and attended Puyallup High School. In 1973, the Puyallup River Valley area farms were producing 20% of the nation's daffodils and irises and 80% of the tulips. 1973 marked the 40th annual Daffodil Festival, a week in April that culminates in a parade held across four cities. Wow. So the Daffodil Festival was a real thing. That's really cool. I like the, like, it was almost like a nod to him as an actor. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, the outdoor scene at the University of Washington was shot in Red Square, initially facing the Suzalo and Allen Library, and ending facing Gerberding Hall. So the University of Washington scenes were actually at the University of Washington. Oh, okay. And I was like, I don't know what any of those places are, but that's really cool. Um, John Carradine is not Grandpa Monster. Al Lewis is Grandpa Monster. Oh. Um, because the next, the last, so at the end, 
of the film, Kolchak is telling Vincenzo and Louise Harper, not Louisa, just Louise, um, um, now both out of work thanks to him that he's going to drive them to New York City and that they'll love New York. Director Dan Curtis and screenwriter Richard Matheson had actually planned to do a third Kolchak movie set in New York City. In New York, Kolchak was going to discover that Janos Skorzynski, the vampire from the first film, was not only not dead, but active again. This film was going to complete a planned trilogy of Kolchak movies entitled The Trilogy of Terror. So there were two different versions of the third movie. Okay. Um, Hello. In the original storyline, Kolchak asks Dr. Malcolm if he is really the Count of Saint-Germain, and Dr. Malcolm gives an ironic laugh, laugh, but never actually denies it. So the story that... um, the Wicked Witch, Margaret Hamilton's character was talking about, about the first alchemist who might have discovered the elixir of life. Mm-hmm. There was going to be an alleged, like, insinuation that this was the same person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's a scene where the main character is jumped by someone that the audience is supposed to think is the vampire. It turns out to be a homeless man played by Al Lewis, who is famous for playing grandpa in the vampire cult television series The Monsters. Now, hold on. Now that I figured out Al Lewis is... Grandpa Monster, who's John Carradine? He plays a character named one. I'm going to full cast. He plays Oh, Crossbinder, the the owner of the newspaper. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. He um He's a, the staple for horror movies. He was. Oh, a, yeah, yeah. He was in the first movie as somebody else. That's why yes. I recognize the name. But his son, Robert, is Lizzie McGuire's dad. <laughs> He's also the lead in the Revenge of the Nerds movies. His son is not him. He's not John Carradine. He was very, very, very old by Yo, the time yeah. the Revenge of the Nerds movies happened. Um, because we looked up what he was in, and I, he, like all of his roles, it was like original Black Cat, Bride of Frankenstein. He played Dracula at one point. He was like the staple face of classic horror in the thirties. In the thirties and forties, yeah. And I'm like that is so. so by the seventies, cool. he was quite old. Let's see. He actually passed away in 1988. He lived a nice, good life then. Yeah, he was uh, 82 when he died. He looks like knockoff Vincent Price in that photo. Tell me I'm wrong. It looks like a Vincent Price and Walt, Walt Disney had a baby. I don't like that image. That's what it was. <laughs> That's a real child. It would make time. It would make sense if the time went, yo. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> it would definitely, A, not make sense, and B, not be scientifically possible. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't, are we doing the smacking and the punching because I don't know? I no, I don't think that really works for this show. I don't really want to punch anybody. Yeah, and there's no really saving grace. I mean, it's always going to be Cole Shack. Yeah, I mean, it was dope to see Margaret Hamilton. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. That was like, cool. I feel like we're going to be getting a lot of stars in here that were really popular and like. Oh, I already know of some cameos in the show that I'm really excited to talk about. And I feel like we should talk about, like, and then at the end when we do DNA Awards, we need to have our favorite cameo award. Obviously. We'll probably, there's really how many of, like, of the plot awards are That really happened, yeah. We'll basically just talk about who all the coolest guest stars are. Yeah, pretty much. And the coolest villains. 
Oh yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> on that note, uh, this was episode forty-four. No, it's a. It's not the that longest episode, but um. I feel like these are gonna be more. Honestly, I feel like our episodes are shorter when we're happy. Yeah. Because it's easier to talk about things that we don't like. That is really true. Um, like. I just like that there's actually trivia on these shows that we can because talk every about. time I want it to be because I I'm a trivia nerd like obviously half of these things that I've been talking about about trivia weren't even from the trivia yeah so like I, that is my thing and so when we get to got to Hemlock Grove and every time I would open up the trivia page on IMDb and it would be blank I was like cool. thanks guys but I, that's why I think that with this because it's older and there's a, been a lot of new things that have come from it and the time era that oh, this was from there's this a lot also of, um it wasn't on the trivia page on IMDb but I saw something about it on Wikipedia hold on I have another trivia oh there was an episode of the X Files that had a similar plot called Squeeze. And in Squeeze, it was the third episode of the first season of The X-Files. And it was about uh, this guy who, like, lives in an elevator shaft and, like, climbs through vents to, like, get people and take their organs. Oh, shit. He removes people's livers with their, his bare hands. Yeah, that's sick. In the gross and the cool way. But then, uh, it's connected to, like, murders that happened in the 1930s, and apparently this guy's also been living for a really long time. So uh, that's, and the underground. So it's not the same plot, but it's a very similar, similar plot. plot. That's so really cool, though. That, if we ever get around to doing the X-Files, I have a feeling I'm going to be mad grossed out. Uh, I feel like it's going to be cool, Shaq, but nasty. Yeah. That's so the same type of thing where it's anth- anthological, where there's, like, some, it's like, the mon- It's part. a Monster of the Week format, so, yeah. like, X-Files has a little bit more character development between, like, the two main characters, mm-hmm. but it's definitely Monster of the Week format in that it is not connected, per se. Yeah. Which is actually pretty cool. So we might. I mean, uh, truthfully, a lot of sci-fi shows are, like are monster of the week shows where the main characters may have some kind of developing plot among the characters, yeah. but the villain is very rarely Intrig- like a, a continual. And if it is like a recurring villain, it's not every week. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of like Fringe and Star Trek and Doctor Who and like mm-hmm. all of them have like some bad guys that come back but mm-hmm. there's still that like and like in Fringe it's a little different because in later seasons it's more connected but like there's still that whole like solving a crime or stopping yeah. a monster that is not connected and so while you still get character development mm-hmm. it's not plot driven per se that's very true very true so that was The Night, Night Strangler, Strangler which is named because the guy strangled people yeah, it, listen, I th- I was like, oh, Night Strangler, I'm like, I don't, maybe they're going like this thing with S's, I don't fucking know, and then I was like, oh, it like hit, I was like, it's because he fucking strangles people, I have the fucking hugest brain ever. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 
E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And you can follow me on Instagram at monica.lynn underscore and on Twitter at mon underscore lynn underscore. You can follow the podcast at death and aliens, uh, all one word. You can send us an email at deathandaliens at gmail.com. Uh, write in, tell us what you're thinking. We like to talk to you guys. This is, I mean, Monica's fun, but she's not that interesting. I've known her her whole life. I'm interesting. I would rather talk to you. Yeah, so let's go fuck myself then. My Dr. Pepper and all. My Dr. Pepper. It's her Dr. Pepper. Um, and on that note, we'll see you next week.